We're on the series of marriage and family. <laughs> and I just want to say this. I think marriage and family is a loaded topic. It's always been a dream of mine to have a family and kids and all those frills and thrills that come along with it, um, taking pictures of my kids and putting it on Facebook for the first day of school. I, would, I, wanted, to be, I wanted to have that. So I took all these youth ministry classes and family ministry classes because in Hawaii, we're so big on families. Because as Lilo and Stitch taught us and taught the world, ohana means family, and family means no one get left behind. So as I learned more about marriage and family, I could catch myself, my inner voice saying to myself, I can't wait to have kids so that I could be a dad and messed them up so badly that they would need healing from all of my mess-ups and mistakes and see a therapist when they grow up. See, marriage too can also be loaded. Marriage and family can be a, can be a source of unconditional love and support and affirmation, but it's also a place, and if I can be real with you, where Many have experienced disappointment, emotional scars, brokenness, divorce, and even abuse. All of us have been affected, positively and negatively, by something that relates to either marriage or family, or even both. So what I want to do this morning is talk about marriage and equality in the context of relationships. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, seeking your face to hearing a word from you, Lord. We pray that you would strengthen us this morning, that you would encourage us, that you would wash us of all the things of this world, Lord, as we hear your word this morning. Give us ears to hear, and Lord, Minister to us. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I told you before that I love basketball. And I play every, like, I try to play twice a week. And for me, it's more than just basketball. Basketball is kind of like an excuse to get to know people and to have a community around um, so many times after basketball, we talk about a lot of things, you know, silly things, things just, that just makes us last. But one of the hot topics is movies. We all love movies. We're movie buffs. So we talk about the movie, we critique the movie. So um, I remember one time, they always ask this question first. They're like, Do you, did you see Wonder Woman? I'm like, oh, yeah, that was, I thought it was good. I liked the, the message that was behind it. And then they give their critique after they hear my critique. And some of the guys were like, you liked it? I hated it. I was like, really? Why? And I'm like, you know, some of this, like, Hollywood's just trying to force on us this women empowerment thing. And I hate it. And I was like, really? And I, I was shocked. I was like, really? Well, I mean, why wouldn't you want women to be empowered? Like, isn't that, like... I feel like that's justice, like equal pay, equal, all that kind of stuff. 
And, the, you know, we would even talk about Endgame, and there's this one scene where all the female hero, heroines, well, how do you say heroine? Whatever. All the female actors, um, superheroes come together, and they have this big scene. And they're like, man, there's Hollywood again, trying to force on us women empowerment. And I'm like, I didn't know people had this strong view of where, women's, where a woman's place should be. So I was just surprised and shocked that a lot of people feel this way. Well, if you, if you um, understand what God has put in place in terms of family. Family was given for the empowerment of the members of that family. So the purpose of family is to empower one another so that the family could function both in the church and in society. So we raise up our kids, help them out, help them to grow so that they can contribute within the church because the church is a family of families, right? And then we go out and we minister to the world, to society. Now, I want to present, there's two perspectives on what marriage should look like. Um, and it's called complementarianism and egalitarianism. And there's both advantages and challenges to each of them. Um, the complementarian understanding of marriage is where the men is the head and the women support the man. And um, I feel like because a lot of church teach this and emphasize the complementarianism of marriage, I wanted to present you with the flip side and just give you something to think about called egalitarianism. Okay? But as I present this to you, ultimately what I hope is that you do your research and decide what works best for you and your family. Okay? If you're not married, then you might want to think about this as you decide what kind of marriage do you want. So we're going to start with Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, it reads, So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. See, Genesis focuses on our anthropology, on our origin story. It describes our nature and who we are. And in this text, it says that both man and woman are fully made in the image of God. Let me say this again, that both man and woman are made in the image of God, not just man. In Genesis, when men and women are said to be created in the image of God, both male and female have value and worth. Both male and female are instilled with the characteristics of God to be creative and nurturing and loving. We all have a mind to think, to make decisions, and to be responsible over the things that God created. God has empowered all of us. Now let's look at Genesis 2. Then the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. The word for helper is easier in Hebrew. 
So I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the, ma- to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for man, there was found no helper, no easier as his partner. So the Lord God, God caused the deep sleep to fall upon man, and he slept. And he took one of his rub, uh, ribs and closed up this place with flesh. And the rib that God, the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to man. Matthew Henry, in his commentary, um, which is a really popular commentary, is like everywhere, um, he says this about the text. A woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to trample upon him, but out of his side to be equal with him under his arm to be protected and near to his heart and beloved. So in most Bibles, the translation of the word easier is either helper, or in the King James Version, they call it the helpmeet. But I believe this is a bad translation, and I'll tell you why. I think it should be translated as rescuer. See, the problem with this is that helper gives the appearance of a second-class citizen. Go get this for me. Do this for me. You're my helper. I do that to my students. <laughs> um, and it gives the idea that one gender is above another. In most commentaries, they point out that the biblical use of the noun easier as helper but when Azir is examined next to the Old Testament text, um, the help that's usually provided is usually one from God. God is the one that does the helping. It's divine aid. So I'm going to show you some scriptures, and then hopefully it makes sense. In Exodus 18.4, it says, And the other was named Eliezer. Eliezer. And he says, my father God was my helper, my azir. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. In Deuteronomy 33, he said, blessed are you, Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and your azir and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread upon their heights. Psalm 75 Um, 70, verse 5. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help, my azir, and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. And in Psalms 21, he says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From from where comes my help? It comes from, um, where does my help come from? My easier, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So in its 
many appearances, the noun azir is applied almost exclusively to God. The most common subject of the verb to help or azir is, again, God who appears as the rescuer, the one who helps. So this is the context of which the word helper or azir is to be interpreted. The azir is the one who supplies what cannot be done for oneself. What a powerful image that God decided to make a woman as a rescuer. That's our partner. How many times have your partner rescued you in your marriage and been there for you and supported you? I told this story about two years ago. I went through this huge thing. Um, and it had to do with somebody betraying me. And it got to a point where it really hurt. See, um, I had an agreement with a friend. And somebody needed to work with this really horrible, toxic team. And this year, I, I, I told him, okay, I'm going to do this for you this one year. I'm going to go to the team. But when it's my turn... I, when it, if it happens again, you have to find your place and either set yourself up or, you know, get out of that situation because I had superiority at the time, but I did this for a friend and we had this agreement. So something came up and somebody had to go to back to that horrible, toxic team. And my friend acted like we didn't agree on anything before. And we didn't tell everybody. It was just our word with one another. And he backed out. And I had to go back to that horrible team. And I was devastated. Not because I had to go there to the toxic environment. That I could handle that. I did it before. I was more devastated because somebody I cared about, somebody I called my friend, betrayed me. And it was the hardest thing to show up to work every day and see him in a position where I should have been. Every single day, seeing him thrive while I went through this turmoil. And at times, I wanted to just like quit. I didn't want to be there. Not, and it was more so because I didn't want to be in their presence. You know? I was devastated. But I'm so grateful for my wife who stood by my side and was really supportive. She said, you know what? If you need to take a year off, I'll support you. We'll be okay financially. We're okay. And there would be times I'd come home. You know, some days I'd have my good days and my bad days, but on those bad days, I brought that stuff home. And I would have to emotionally vomit it out and my wife would sit there through those tough times and hear my pain and my disappointment. And she would listen to my emotional vomit and allow me to let it out. At that moment in time, I needed an easier, a rescuer. And my wife was that rescuer for me standing by my side, supporting me, 
And because of that, I was able to grow and flourish and make it through that year. So I love my wife. She's the best wife that I could ever have. <laughs> and I'm sure you feel that way about your wife, right? Say yes. <laughs> so before the fall, before sin entered into the world, marriage looked like this. It was a partnership, a team. It was about friendship and supporting one another. It was about mutual submission and empowering one another. See, I feel like marriage is about being there for one another, caring for one another, trusting one another, and helping one another through the tough times in life. So from this Genesis story, we see the intent of God's creation, where things, how things should be in a relationship when it's healthy and whole. But the, the sad thing is that in Genesis 3, the fall happened. Because of that, we have unhealthy relationships and broken relationships. Because of the fall, men are now seen as protectors and providers and women as caretakers. And this is just a consequence of the fall as opposed to God's created order. See, it's a good thing when women are nurturing, but it's not a good thing when men aren't nurturing. So that brokenness of the fall has created a, and brought in the depth and the pain and the hurt and the enmity and strife and hatred that we have towards one another. Sometimes it even gets into the marriage relationships where there's so much strife and enmity and hurt and pain. But what God's plan was is for humanity to be res rescued from the pit and the mire of our own sins. So both collectively and personally, God is restoring all things back to his original order. Therefore, we want to step, if we want to step into God's kingdom purpose, we need to know what God's original creation was about. And that's why we talk about Genesis so much, because it gives us a picture of what the kingdom should be like before the fall. That's why the fall is so detrimental. Most of the differences that separate the sexes is due to the fall. So according to the Genesis account, there's a completeness when we're together. In the way that this narrative describes our relationship with one another as male and female. So the big thing is this, that together we can do amazing, wonderful things that we could never do alone. Now, what I love about this understanding of genders is that both sides are valued. Male and female are valued. Both male and female are appreciated because both sides are encouraging one another to grow and emphasize their strengths to help one another in their weaknesses. No one is seen as a second-class citizen. It's about us working together to a place where we're both healthy and independent rather than being codependent. 
There's completeness when we come together. About four weeks ago, my wife came up here and talked about this scale, about, um, you know, if there's a person that is controlling and then another person that's um, compliant, what happens to them? They get married, right? <laughs> but that is not a healthy relationship. It becomes a codependent relationship. You're relying on one another in that relationship to a point where it's not very healthy, right? Because you're the, at the end of the spectrums. But God wants us to become healthy, to come together to a point in the middle so that we are both independent and come to a relationship where we're now not just independent but interdependent. We are okay by ourselves, but we choose to work to help each other out in our own independence. That's what a healthy relationship is about, and that's where God wants us to be. Because if something just so happens, because things happen, right, in this world. People die, people get hurt, people get divorced. And if you're far apart, if you lose one person, you're going to have a hard time surviving. But if you're interdependent, if you suffer a loss or go through something, you will be okay by yourself knowing that I can make it through. I have the skills I need to make it through this world. Even though I miss the other person dearly, I can still move on. Now, um, the reason I present this to you is because, um, you know, I, I learned this from one of my professors. I hated my job as a teacher. Like, when I first started, I hated it. I wanted to get out as bad as possible. Um, so at, after five years, me and Michelle talked together, and we're like, you know, I want to, she was like, you're miserable at your job. Don't you want to go to Bible college? You always wanted to go to a seminary or a Bible college. Why don't we do that? So we got up, and we moved, and we moved to Fuller. And I was in youth ministry and all those other things, and I was really interested in youth and family. I took all these classes because, you know, like I said earlier, Hawaii is big on family. I thought that would be perfect to bring back to the islands. So when we moved up there, I had this complementarianism understanding of marriage where I was supposed to be the head and Michelle was the helper. So she got a job, started working, and I went to school. Um, and then my professor in the family and marriage class presented this perspective. And it was something new. I, I didn't know what to make of it. You know, I've always been taught in church that the man was the head and, you know, the female was the helper. And upon hearing this, something just resonated with me. And I was like, wow, I love this idea of Michelle being valued and empowered. Because I was wrestling with that. I'm going to school. I'm not making any money. Money. Michelle is the one working. How is it that I'm supposed to be the provider and she's working? And when he said this, I was like, it's okay that Michelle is working and being the provider. I also loved it because it, put, it took off so much stress off my shoulders 
to be solely responsible for another human being. And now, because of that, we have this understanding of shared decision-making. It, it, we are now open to dialogue and to share um, what's best for both of us, what benefits both of us as, our, as we set goals in our life, rather than me just making a decision for our family. See, what I loved is that because of this understanding, for me, it freed us to come up with our life plan together because I wanted to do ministry. But if you know this, ministers don't make a lot of money. (laughs) So we came up with this plan. I was going to hopefully go into ministry or teaching because teachers don't make a lot of money either. And Michelle was going to get her degree in psychology. And she would be the one making most of the money. Now, I don't know for you as a man, but sometimes that your ego might take a hit, that my wife is making more money with me. But this understanding just freed me up and saying, it's okay for her to make more money than me because we're both serving God's purpose together. We're both pursuing his kingdom. So I want to make this point perfectly clear. That this egalitarian understanding of marriage, both male and female are working towards a healthy relationship where both would say to one another, you are my rescuer. Both male and female. Thank you for being the one that God has placed in my life and helped me through the tough times. I want to close with this. I want to close with two blessings. One for the women and one for the men. This is my blessing for you, for the women. May you feel valued and validated. May you be healthy emotionally and psychologically. May you feel empowered to reach your full potential, to be free to pursue your goals and your dreams. And may you be strong when those you love feel weak. And for the men, may you be secure in your manhood in order to empower the other. May you be free to feel at times vulnerable and weak and allow those around you to help you carry the burden. May you be free from feeling overburdened. May the stress of being overall responsible for everything in your family be lifted. Let's pray.